teaching on the seven fundamental principles for spiritual growth. And uh, he told me that uh, he's actually covered three of the seven. And he asked me if I would, because he wanted to finish up that series tonight before he goes to Kenya. So he uh, gave me some of his notes and everything else. And so I got a chance to pick apart those. And uh, uh, so I'm going to do you the last four. But I'm going to start out with a story tonight. And, and, and uh, this is a story that I came across on the Internet. I don't know if it's a true story or not, but uh, it really just kind of got my attention. It was about a Christian. And uh, this Christian decided that he... Get back here. This Christian decided that uh, he wanted to quit everything. Wanted to quit his relationship with his family. He wanted to quit his relationship with his job and coworkers and and uh, those sort of things. And he wanted to quit uh, his relationship with God, even. And he just wanted to quit everything. He just wanted to just completely give up. But he decided that he was going to talk to God one more time before he decided to quit everything. And so he goes deep into the woods. And he says, God, he says, can you give me one reason I should not quit? And his answer that God came back with kind of surprising. God said, look around. Do you see the fern and the bamboo? The man replied, yes, I see it. God said, when I planted the fern and the bamboo seeds, I took very good care of them. I gave them light and I gave them water. The fern quickly grew from the earth. Its brilliant green covered the floor, yet nothing came from the bamboo seed. But I did not quit on the bamboo. In the second year, the fern grew more vibrant and plentiful, and again, nothing came from the bamboo seed. But I did not quit on the bamboo. The third year, the fern continued to grow and to flourish, still nothing from the bamboo seed. God said, I did not quit on the seed. I continued to water it. I could continue to bring light to it. In the fourth year, the same thing happened. The fern grew, nothing from the bamboo. Nothing began to sprout out of the ground. But God said, I didn't quit. I didn't give up on that. I kept watering it, and I kept the sunlight coming. And then the fifth year, a tiny little sprout emerged from the earth from the bamboo. Compared to the fern, the fern, it seemed, seemed small and insignificant because the fern was just huge and green and growing. But this little sprout of the bamboo just seemed insignificant at the time. Six months later, the bamboo was 100 feet tall. It had spent the five years growing roots. Those roots made it strong and gave it what it needed to survive. God said, I did not give up on any creations. I'm not going to give up on you, and you should not give up. You should let your roots get strong and deep and continue to grow. So many times when we, we talk about our spiritual life, you know, spiritual growth doesn't happen overnight. You know, I don't know how many, I mean, I don't, I'm not going to ask your age. I was going to ask you how long some of you have been serving the Lord, but I'm not going to ask that question because you might start throwing things at me. But, uh, you know, we, we sometimes we live in a society where everything is instant. You know, you can go, go to turn on the television. Sixty minutes later, you can see somebody being born, somebody getting old, and somebody dying all in that 60-minute span. You know, we live in a society that wants everything instant, instant coffee. I can't stand instant coffee. Some of you might like it. But uh, it was developed because people didn't want to spend time in the morning to brew coffee, they wanted to get it and go. Something instant, instant oatmeal. It's interesting to me that, that uh, cereal is beginning to fall off. Just the, the act of taking a cereal out of a box, putting it in a bowl, adding milk to it, is too much time. People put things in the microwave, 30 seconds later they grab it and they're out the door. So we live in a society where everything is instant and we think, okay, our spiritual growth ought to be instant. God wants us to grow. But like that bamboo, you've got to get your roots grounded. And it takes time to get those roots grounded. You know, it doesn't come instantly. But there are seven principles that Pastor started sharing with you to help you grow spiritually. And I'm, gonna, I'm just going to kind of rehearse the first three very quickly because he told me he covered the first three. 
and then we're going to get into the last four. But he said, step number one, if you're going to grow spiritually, and you've got to do these every day. It's not just, okay, I did it one time. God, instantly, I should be okay in this area because I did it one time. No, you've got to do it every single day. The very first one was learn to forget. You remember that one? Pastor shared it. Learn to forget. He said in Philippians 3, 13 and 14, it says, Brothers, this is Paul writing, Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. What Paul is saying, he says, okay, I'm not mature yet in my Christian walk. I haven't reached it yet. Now, Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, you know, you would think, okay, this guy's got it together spiritually, but he says, no. He says, I haven't taken hold of it yet. Here's what he says, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. He says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. You know, none of us arrive, none of us arrive spiritually. You know, we don't get there. We, it's, a, it's a process that takes time, as we talked about, and we never actually achieve it, which I'm thankful for. We don't completely achieve the spiritual walk that God has planned for us because we, all, we, we should always be hungry for more of Him. And that's our spiritual walk, and that's our spiritual feed. It says, okay, I'm more hungry for God today than I was yesterday, and there's nothing wrong with that. We should be continually growing spiritually. You'll never arrive there. I'm telling you right now, you need to do these seven steps, but you're never going to get there, and we shouldn't. But we should be doing these steps to proceed on and keep, to keep trying to get there. So Paul says, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do is forgetting, forgetting God's past blessings. Now you think, well, wait a minute, that helps my faith. It does help your faith. But if you just continue to think about God's past blessings and you don't think about what he has in store for you in the future, you're going to get stale in your walk with God because you can't, okay, God did bless me yesterday and he blessed me the day before and last year and I had tremendous blessings from him. But you know what? I'm going to remember those because it helps energize my faith, but I'm not going to be stale in it because I'm expecting God to do something even greater tomorrow in my life. So you got to forget the past blessings, and you got to forget your past mistakes. I'm sure Pastor brought that up. Your past failures, your sins. The devil wants to keep you in shame and guilt, and he wants to keep you beat up. But what does God's Word say about it? God says that when we call out to Him and we ask Him to forgive us, it says that He forgives us and He forgets it. God doesn't hold it against us. So why do we keep holding it against ourselves? And those past mistakes that we made, we release them to God. We, we confess them. We turn away from them. We don't keep going back there. We turn away from it. And then we just tell God, I say, okay, I learned from it. I know what happened that caused me to have the failure, the mistake, or the sin in my life. And I'm not going to put myself in that situation. I'm going to go forward. And I'm going to forget it. And I'm going to forgive myself. Because 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So you forget God's past blessings. You remember them for your faith, but you don't just stay there. You expect God to do something better in the future, and you forget your past failures. If you're going to grow spiritually, you've got to forget the past. Number two, you've got to learn to forgive. That's not an easy one. That one, you know, is so hard for most of us because... When somebody wrongs us, you know, we think so many times, okay, I'm either going to get even or I'm definitely not going to let them in my life, you know, so that they can do that again. But God tells us, he says in Ephesians 4.32, it says, be kind and compassionate to one another. He didn't just say to your friends. He said to one another. He said, be kind and compassionate to one another. we we got to realize that there's nobody on this earth that's perfect. We all make mistakes, you know, and some of the mistakes were made against us. He says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. God forgives us. It says he blots out our transgressions. You know when you blot something out, you can't see it anymore? When God blots out our transgressions, it's just like, you know, you, you could you know, take something I'm seeing Joy right now, and I put my hand up, I can't see her face anymore. I blotted her out. You know, she's not there. That's what God does for our transgressions. He says he can't see them anymore. So why do we keep holding transgressions against the people that have done something wrong to us? Because he says that we, we need to forgive just as Christ 
forgave us, just as the Father through Christ forgave us. And so we need to forgive. And so if you're going to grow spiritually, you've got to work in this area, especially if you have something against somebody that you haven't forgiven already. You've got to work on it. It's not easy. Believe me, I know it's not easy, but you've got to work on it every single day so that you can grow spiritually. So you've got to forget your past. You've got to learn how to forgive. You've got to learn how to pray. I thank God that we go to a church that believes in prayer. And Tuesday night, there's a group of people that come here, and they lift up this church. They lift up our country. Our, you know, they lift up the world. They lift up our 100 club churches. They lift up everybody. They pray for you. They pray for our leadership, obviously, here at the church. They pray for the classes that are going on right now. And uh, we, we have a church that believes in prayer. They do the same thing on Friday morning. You know, they come at 7.30 on Friday morning. They pray for an hour, and they're just lifting up this church. They're lifting up the people in the community. We've got to learn how to pray, develop a prayer life. So again, it's not something that's easy. We think, okay, I'll go pray on Tuesday nights. I'll pray some on Wednesday before service, some on Sunday before service, maybe Friday morning, and that's it. Okay, I'm, I'm good. My prayer's okay for the week. No, you've got to develop a prayer life. You know, you call out to God every single day. And you pray, and it's not just thanking him for your food that you eat. And, you know, that's kind of me talking to the teenagers because I know that's what teenagers a lot of times will do. That, you know, they will sometimes take the time to thank him for the food. But it's a prayer life. It's something that's continually inside of us. The Scripture says this. It says in uh, John 15, 7, it says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done to you. You know what that word abide means? Abide means to remain, to be continued, to stay. It doesn't mean you come in and out of a prayer life. It means you stay in a prayer life. You say, well, I got a job I got to do. I got to, you know, do this thing. I got to do this spreadsheet or whatever it might be. You can be doing the spreadsheet, but have a prayer in your heart and your spirit. You know, you can be doing that because you, you abide in God and abide in his word. And you got to pray what God's word says. If it doesn't line up with God's word, don't pray it for it, Dan, which means that you've got to understand what God's Word says about your situation that you're praying. I can tell you, because I've been here on Tuesday nights and I've been here on Friday mornings, they pray God's Word. They don't pray something that's completely out of space out there. They know it lines up with God's Word, and they pray God's Word. And that's what you've got to do. And if you're not sure what God's Word says about your situation or the desires that you're bringing to Him, you search it out. It's a great opportunity to get in God's Word and to search out the Scriptures and to understand what He says. You've got to abide. That means to continue to remain and to stay. Walk in continued fellowship with God. Prayer is more than just asking God for things. It's a fellowship with Him. And that's so important to understand. It is a fellowship with God. He wants to communicate with us. And He does that sometimes when we just quiet ourselves and quiet our spirit and we just begin to pray. You know, and so that's when God will really begin to speak into our life. And so you've got to have a life of prayer. You've got to learn how to pray. If you're going to grow spiritually, if you don't have a prayer life that is consistent and that is real and that is a fellowship with God, you're not going to grow spiritually. It's just not going to happen. So the three that Pastor had already covered is you've got to forget your past. You've got to walk in forgiveness, learn how to forgive, and you've got to learn how to pray. Which brings us to point number four now. You've got to learn how to believe beyond your natural senses. Our natural senses. What are our five senses? Who can name the five senses? Real quick. See if what it helps. Touch. That's it. They're our touch. They're hearing. They're uh, sight, smell, and taste. Those are the five senses. Now, we're limited by those five senses because God's word and miracles happen that goes way beyond our reasoning you know when you, when you think about human reasoning the first thing that we start thinking of is can I see it can I hear it you know can I taste it or feel it you know our five senses but if you're going to believe God and what his word says and what he wants to do in your life you got to go way beyond the five senses Natural reasoning says there's no such thing as miracles. Cripple can't walk unless 
some doctor takes care of This is natural re reasoning now. A cripple can't walk unless a doctor takes care of them, operates on them, gives them some kind of something back in their legs so that they can walk. But we hear miracles all the time of crippled being prayed for. Somebody in faith lays hands on them, and they begin to walk. Same thing with blind eyes. Blind eyes in the natural can't see. And so you think, okay, unless a doctor operates on their eyes, unless something happens to them, you know, where a doctor is taking care of them, it says it's not going to work. But miracles happen all the time. You know, our five senses, you know, they just, they really do limit us. In Mark eleven twenty four, 24, it says, Therefore I say to you, whatsoever things you ask, when you pray, look at this, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Believe God in His Word. Believe comes by hearing the Word of God. Believe comes by a strong prayer life. Now, see the connections here? These seven fundamental steps and principles are tied together. You can't grow unless you do all seven of them. So our believing comes by a strong prayer life because our prayer life strengthens our faith. And because we already said you've got to pray according to God's Word, so you're going to have to go out and search God's Word to see... Okay, what am I praying and asking for? Is that line up? So my prayer life is going to strengthen my believing in God. Belief comes when we walk in forgiveness. Ties together. You, you're believing for God, and it's a miracle, a miracle when you have somebody that has offended you, and you release it to God, and He takes that burden away from you, and, he, and you walk in forgiveness. That is a true miracle because your natural sense says, no, don't do that. They're going to hurt you again. You know, that you don't let them hurt you again. But believing, belief comes when we walk in forgiveness. Belief comes when we stop living in the past. I don't care if it's past miracles, I mean, past blessings or, or past failures. When you stop living in the past and you start focusing on the now and the future, and, you know, you, you rehearse the past because it helps you make the changes that you need to make, and it does help your faith, but you don't just stay there. You release it and you keep going forward. But believing comes when we stop living in the past. Belief comes when we use faith and not what we see, not what we hear, not what we taste, not what we feel, but we use our faith to say, okay, circumstances in my life can change. They can change, and they will change because I'm going to apply these seven principles to my life. You know, we got to, uh, you know, our, our senses we really does. It limits our faith, but we got to walk totally in faith and not by sight. You got to listen only to those who walk in faith with you. You know why God, I, th I think God told us that we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. You know the one reason he does that? Because you get together with a bunch of believers and they start sharing faith and they start sharing miracles that happen in their life. It helps you to believe stronger. Now, I can tell you, you're not going to get that same kind of encouragement when you go out to a bar or to a football game or something. It's great to go to a football game, not a bar, but I mean, great to go to a football game. But you're not going to get that kind of encouragement especially if you go to watch the Texans. They're not going to encourage you at all. <laughs> My faith is not strong enough for the Texans to win, have a winning season yet. But anyway, I guess they had a winning season this year. They did. Thank you. So I got corrected already. They had a winning season, but it was barely a winning season. But anyway, you understand what I'm saying? You go hang out in the world somewhere, you're not going to be around people that's going to be energizing your faith and encouraging what you believe. You assemble yourself together with other believers like we are tonight, and you're going to get energized because after we dismiss here, and we're going to have some great refreshments, I understand, at the end of the service. Now everybody's looking at okay, John, hurry up. Get through those <laughs> other ones. But we're going to have some great refreshments for Valentine's Day. And so you're going to get up there, and you're going to be talking to each other. And I guarantee you something's going to come around about the Lord and about what God is doing in your life and what God is, how God has helped you. That's why we assemble together. And God says that we're not to, you know, he says, he says don't discredit that. You know, don't listen to voices of unbelief. You know, voices of unbelief sometimes are in our family, unfortunately. Sometimes they're our coworkers. Sometimes they're our friends, and it's good to have good friends. But you know what? You need to encourage them and say, you know what? You don't believe with me that this can happen, but I have faith that it can. And I'm going to just come back to you in a few days when it happens and share that with you and show you what God is doing in my life. If you're going to grow spiritually, you've got to believe, not with your natural senses, because our natural senses are just so, so limited. We've got to believe God. We've got to trust God. 
You know, there's two examples of faith that's, that's given to us in the scripture. First of them is Thomas. Everybody knows, we call him Doubting Thomas. Thomas's faith, it says, okay, if I see it, I'm going to believe it. Now, is that really faith? No, that's not real faith. Because, you know, faith is like Abraham, which is the, the second example we have of faith. Abraham, look at his body. He was getting old. He had God's promise. He says, you know, you're going to be a man of many nations. You're going to have children after children. You know, your, your, your genealogy is just going to go crazy. You know, he said, there's going to be so many people come out of your seed. And Abraham's looking at his body and looks over at his wife and says, they ain't going to happen. That's the natural thing. You know, the natural man says, they ain't going to happen. But she's old. I'm old. You know, but that's not what Abraham did. You know what Abraham says? He didn't consider his own body or Sarah's body in her womb. He didn't consider those. He said, God said that this was going to happen, and I'm going to walk in it. That's belief. And Abraham didn't get there overnight either, because Abraham had some trials along the way that helped him get there. You know, and, you, and if you read the scriptures, you find out. But Thomas didn't require any faith. Thomas said, yeah, I'll believe that Christ is risen when I can see the nail prints in his hands and his feet, but I got to see it to believe it. That's not faith. That's going by your natural senses again. If we're going to believe, we've got to get beyond the natural senses. You know, you've got to shut out the seeing, the hearing, the tasting, the feeling, all of those things, the smelling. You've got to say, I'm trusting God. God's word says this about my circumstance, and that's what I'm going to believe, and I'm going to trust God for that, and I'm going to surround myself with other people on a Wednesday night or a Sunday morning, or we're going to go get coffee together after prayer on Friday morning, and we're just going to encourage each other in how we need to walk before the Lord. If you're going to grow spiritually, you've got to believe God, and you've got to not doubt Him, and you've got to not rely upon your natural senses to do it. If you're going to grow spiritually, you've got to be learned to worship. Let me tell you, worship is not an event. It doesn't happen at 7 o'clock on a Wednesday when pastor gets up here and he shares a couple of songs with you. It doesn't happen at 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning when, you know, the, the band is up here. I, by the way, I should have had Ivy come up and sing that song. Ivy, I'm sorry. because I, When I was listening to that song, he was, he was what I was hearing. And I thought, man, I should have had him come up here and sing it. But uh, anyway, you know, it doesn't happen just on Sunday mornings. It doesn't happen just on a Wednesday night. Worship is a lifestyle. You know, we, should, we always say, okay, we're coming into God's house to worship. No. We should bring worship into God's house. That's what we should do. We should be coming through those doors already with a song in our heart, a song in our spirit, our, our, our hearts lifted up, our spirits lifted up, so that as soon as the first note happens, we're there. We're in it. We don't have to look around and see who's, who's singing, who's not singing. We don't have to think, hey, I'd be singing off key there. Yeah. Ivy never sings off key, by the way, but, you know, so many times we think there's a distraction here. Somebody's singing off key, or maybe the band is too loud, and I can't worship God. No. If you have a, a, a lifestyle of worship, it doesn't matter how loud they are. It doesn't matter how soft they are. It doesn't matter what songs they choose. Maybe they don't choose your song that you like. It was interesting. I, we did that song, Inside Out. Where's Ronnie at? Where's, where's Ronnie? There's Ronnie right in front of me. Roddy's on the camera on, on uh, Sunday, <coughs> and uh, we, that song was on the list. And Ronnie always comes up and checks the, the worship list of the songs. I don't know why, even when he's not on the camera, he still comes up and checks it. But uh, Ronnie sit there, when, when uh, he, he loves, because you can hear him singing all the songs on, on the camera, because I got the headphones on, and I'm you know, doing the video switching thing, and Ronnie's up there, I can hear him singing a little bit. But he, when that song comes on, he says, oh, this is my favorite. I did that one tonight for you, Ronnie, so. Because <laughs> I wanted to hear you sing it without the camera, without the headphones on. But worship, it doesn't matter what song they're singing up there. It's a lifestyle. It's truly a lifestyle. I want, to, I want Kevin to play a little bit of this song. And Kevin, is that one that you started for the offering? And uh, let me just give you a little history. I mean, I love this song. And we used to play, I mean, you can tell the teenager will tell you, I wore them out on this song. We did it on Tuesday night prayer. We did it all the time. I remember I was flying back from Japan, 14-hour flight. And uh, this is back when Hewlett Packard let us do business class, and I was up in business class, and I was laying down, had my headphones on. I listened to this song for 14 hours. I want you to just listen to it a little bit. Turn it up if you would, uh, Kevin. Oh, 
Turn up just a little bit more, Kevin. Worship is a lifestyle. And when we decide that we're going to live in that lifestyle to worship God, I don't care what's happening. I mean, I was on the plane that night coming back from Japan, that 14 hours, and this song just was over in my spirit over and over again. Because sometimes when I'm going through some, some kind of trying times, I'll go into the teen room and I'll fire this song up and I'll turn the lights down low. And I just let the Lord just begin to minister to me. As I'm worshiping Him, he ministers to me, you know, and he just sets us free. And so we think so many times that life, that worship is just an event. Okay, worship starts 7 o'clock on Wednesday, 10 o'clock on Sunday mornings. No, worship should start at the moment that you get up, out of your bed. And I don't care if it's a Monday through a Sunday. It should start right then, and it should continue until you go to bed at night. You know, now, it doesn't, doesn't mean that you have to be singing this same song all day long. But worship is a lifestyle, and it's something that we do, and we grow so much spiritually. In John 4, 23, it says this, But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit. 1 Corinthians 14.2 says this, For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no man understandeth him, howbeit in the Spirit he speaketh mysteries. Many times in our worship, for me, natural words are not good enough. The, the English language is beautiful. It has so many beautiful words about love and respect and all of that, but they are limited when you talk about God and how much we love Him and how much we respect Him and how much we want to honor Him. And so if you pray in the Spirit and you worship in the Spirit, you've just taken yourself into another dimension because it says that He's a Spirit and we must worship Him in Spirit and in truth. Worship is not an event. Worship's a lifestyle. And you're going to grow so much in God when you develop that as a lifestyle, you know. Next thing you got to do, you can go ahead and stop it if you would, Kevin. The next thing you got to do if you're going to grow spiritually is learn to give. Pastor Scott did a tremendous job. I, 411 times he's ministered, and he's never spoke on giving until then. I guess he was saving it up because it was powerful. And I was on the video switcher, and you're a little bit distracted with the cameras and everything else. I listened to Ronnie sing, but... Uh, <laughs> But, you know, you're a little bit distracted with all of that. But at the same time, I was picking up nuggets as he was giving them. And I just, there's, when I, of course, you know, you know me on Sunday. I have the opportunity for years now to get up and share some scriptures on giving. And my favorite passage of scripture, and these are so good and so strong and so meaningful. And you find them in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I'm going to read verses 6 through 13. And because they're, they're, they're all so rich. God's word is rich all the way around. But these are very rich in giving. It says this. It says, remember this. Whosoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whosoever sows generously will also reap generously. Today, a young man from Reinhardt Bunke's crusade came by. Reinhardt Bunke, they sent a team of people in to the city that they're going to be doing a crusade in. And they, they've been here for a year. Matter of fact, when he, after 
the uh, crusade ends in February, they're going to go to Atlanta and spend a year there getting churches involved. But anyway, this young man came through and uh, the church, and we were talking about the crusade. We were talking about the youth rally that happened last week, and our youth went to it. Uh, we didn't because Johnny and I went to see Bill Gaither. <laughs> so, and uh, for our anniversary, we got a chance to go see Bill Gaither. And, and uh, so I wasn't at the youth rally with the teens, but I heard that's they're sharing testimonies tonight about it. But anyway, this young man came by named Aaron Perry, and we were talking, and he presented this nice book to Pastor Albert, which I'll give it to him with all the Reinhardt Bunkett Crusades in it from Africa and European nations and everywhere. And uh, as we were talking, and I introduced him to Pastor Scott, and uh, I was giving him, letting me know what we do as a church. I said, you know, we built 500, and what's the number, Debbie? Debbie, how many churches we built now? 535 churches we've built so far. Of course, that, I mean, it, you ask us, well, Debbie should know, but it changes. That's the great thing about it. It changes so often. And it doesn't go down, obviously. It's always going up, and there's some that's been paid for and some that's already been in the process and been worked. But anyway, I was sharing that, those numbers with him. I didn't give him the exact number because I told him it was 500-plus. And uh, he thought that was amazing. And I thought, that's the generosity of this church. They give generously to, to advance the kingdom of God, not only here in our own community, but throughout the world. Because it says... Whoever sows generously will reap generously. Now, we think so many times the return's coming back to us, and it does. Financial returns comes back to us. But you know what? We also reap more than that. 535 churches with tons of people that meet on a Sunday morning whose lives are being changed and affected with the gospel. That's what we, you know, that's the, the, the harvest that we've got to come back in. We think about the financial return to us, and God will give that to us. But more importantly, it's the souls that are being changed. Then he says in verse 7, Each man should give what he has decided in his heart. It's, it's your heart that you give, not your head. Your head says, ah, you can't afford that. Don't give that now. It's not what you go by. It says you give, you decide in your heart. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, Reluctantly means I don't want to do this. And under compulsion, says, okay, pastor's going to beg again for churches over there. He doesn't beg, but he said, you know, but our thoughts are pastor's going to beg for those churches over there, so I'm just going to have to give to it, so maybe he'll get kind of quiet next time. You know, when pastor does, does our mission updates the second Sunday of the month, you know, he's not trying to pull money out of you. He wants to give you an opportunity to say, look, these are the lives that you're affecting. When you give to build those churches, and this church has built 535, more coming, obviously. And we don't do it under compulsion. We don't do it reluctantly because we do it, it says, for God loves a cheerful, cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. So we give with a heart of giving, and we give it cheerfully, and we give it to God and say, God, it's yours. You take it, and you use it, and you use it, and you multiply it. Verse 8, and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. You will. It's going to happen. When you give with a cheerful heart, you're going to abound in every good work. As it, as it is written, verse 9, as it is written, he has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Verse 10, now he who, I love this one. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. Now think about this. God gives us the seed to sow with to begin with. Some of you might have a job that you got when you were a sinner out in the world. God knew that you were going to come into him. Your heart was going to be surrendered to him. You have a free will, but he knew that. He knows everything that's going on. And he says, I'm going to bless him with a job now. Even though he's a ranked sinner, I'm going to bless him with a job now because he's going to be a giver when he comes into a relationship with Christ. And so it says that, uh, that he gives us the seed to sow and then bread for food. He takes care of us. And he says, he will also supply and increase your seed, your store of seed, and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. The harvest of your righteousness is 535 churches with families worshiping God. That's the harvest of your righteousness. The harvest of your righteousness is on Sunday morning. You see some people come in here that are living in this community, that were driving by. They saw the church. They decided to stop in. That's the harvest of your righteousness. He says in verse 11, you would be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. 
This service, look at this, this service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, it's making a difference in people's lives, but it's overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourself, men will praise God. Now think about that for a second. Because of the service that you have proved yourself in, men will praise God. If they're going to praise God, that means their heart has to be released to Him. They have to be living a life that says, I'm in complete surrender to God, because that's when they begin to get into praise. Because of your giving, you might not see them, anybody's face in those 535 churches, but they're giving thanksgiving and thanks to God. And they do pray for you, by the way. They lift you up all the time. And so it does result in thanksgiving to God. Because of the service for which you have proved yourself, men will praise God for the obedience that accompanies and confessions of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. Our giving is obedient to God. It's advancing the gospel, and it brings praise to God. And it does open up God's heavens, and he begins to pour out blessings upon us. The last one, and I know you're saying, thank you, sir, because I can tell that they're going to get the refreshments out there. If you're going to grow spiritually, you've got to learn to witness for the Lord. Witness is a response of our spiritual growth. It's, it, you, you can't hold it down. When you're growing spiritually, you've got to, you've got to learn how to witness before God, and it actually comes out automatically. Now, I'm not going to take the time to pass these out. I was going to have the ushers pass these out to you, but I'm going to give you a couple of tools because a lot of people are not comfortable witnessing, and I know that. I recognize that. There's different ways you can witness for God. You can let your life be a witness for Him, which you should by the way that you live your life. You want to live your life in such a way that people know, hey, it's not the same guy that you used to be. You're different, so there's something going on in your life. So that's, that's our life is a witness before God. But it's also with the words that we speak. You've got a couple of great events coming up here that if you're not comfortable witnessing, this is the easiest thing that you can do. This very first one is the Real Families Conference. It's coming up here March the 6th through the 7th. All you've got to do, and there's a bunch of them out there in the foyer, all you've got to do is take one of these, put it in somebody's hand, says, hey, why don't you join me over here on March the 6th and 7th. It's a great conference for families. Amy Tice is working so hard on this thing. It's coming together great. It's going to be a tremendous event. This is a great witnessing tool because when you give it to somebody, they might even ask a question, well, you tell me about families and tell me how that's going to benefit my family. And all of a sudden, you find yourself just beginning to share what can make a difference in their life. Jesus Christ in your life can make a difference. And so I'm going to show you. But this is a great tool, and it's an easy witnessing tool. And all you got to do is pick up some of them on your way out, go up to somebody tomorrow, say, hey, you need to come to this event. It's that easy. The next thing that's happening, and these have been out there for a long time, and I don't see the stack getting any smaller, unfortunately. These are little cards. The Reinhardt Bunky Crusade is coming up on February the 20th and the 21st. Not this weekend, but the next weekend. Some of you know Brad's working it, and some of the rest of you are working it as well. But these little cards are saying, okay, we all have five people that we know are not Christians. And all I got to do is grab one of these cards, write down those five names on this card. I'm not going to give it to them, but it's going to remind me to pray for them every single day that they will have a salvation experience with Jesus Christ. And then, not only am I going to pray for them, I'm going to invite them to the crusade. But before the crusade starts, I'm going to invite them to come to my church because I guarantee you when they come in here and hear the word, it's going to make a difference in their life. That's a witnessing tool, and it's so easy. All you do is you put the five names down, and I, and I pray that every one of you grabs a card on the way out and that you write the five names down, that you pray for them daily, and that you take the next step and you invite them to church, number one, and certainly invite them to the Reinhardt Bunky Crusade on February the 20th or the 21st. It's that easy. That's a witnessing tool. And if you're not comfortable at witnessing, and God says, if you're going to grow spiritually, you've got to be a witness for me. That's what God's Word says. This is a great way to do that. And there's a bunch of them on the old uh, <coughs> Welcome Center out there, and I just encourage you to do it. Our time is almost over, and I think everybody's saying great because I see the refreshments out there. But the seven fundamental steps to grow spiritually, let me just give them to you one more time. You've got to forget the past. 
the blessings and the failures. You've got to walk in forgiveness. You've got to live a lifestyle of prayer. Be a prayer warrior. You've got to believe God's word, not your natural senses. You've got to have a lifestyle of worship. You've got to give to God as a lifestyle. And you've got to be a witness. Like the bamboo, our roots need to go deep. They need to go deep and strong so that we can grow as a body and as a spiritual body as well. And so I'm going to close in prayer, and then we're going to, uh, I think do you, on Wednesday, y'all have the altar team come forward? Where's Mary at? Where's Mary? So they have the altar team come forward. So I'm going to close in prayer, and then after the altar team comes forward, you're going to be dismissed. I think Ernie and them are almost ready for the refreshments back there. But uh, those are the seven fundamental steps to growing spiritually. And uh, you can tell Pastor that I finished all the other four. And uh, let him know. No, don't give me a hand. Just, Pastor wanted it to be done before he goes to Kenya. So, <laughs> so and he's supposed to leave here Sunday, so we wanted to do it. But uh, anyway, those are the seven fundamental steps. Let's go ahead and close in prayer. Father, we do. We thank you for tonight. We thank you for the opportunity to, to share your word with these great people here. God, I just pray tonight that the words that we spoke, will not just stay on the ears, but God, they'll go deep into each and every one of our spirits. And Father, that you show us how to apply these in our life every single day so that we can walk with you and that we can grow spiritually so that we can be a witness for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Miss Mary, you want to have your team come forward? If you need prayer for anything, there'll be some altar uh, workers up here. They'll be more than happy to pray with you. And... Uh, I'm going to turn you loose. And Miss Ernie, any, any instructions for him? Just come and grab something. Oh, yes, we can do that. <laughs> so, it's just, to me, it's refreshment. Say, ah, you bless him. But you, yes, we do want to bless him. Let's just bless him before the Father we do. We thank you for not only our, our time together and our fellowship, but Father, we ask that you bless these refreshments, bless the hands that prepared it. Father, I pray that it will be a blessing to us as we partake of it. It will be health, life, and strength to us. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. I love you. Thank you for coming, and enjoy it. If you need prayer, come forward. Yeah.